This is Original Six. So there's about a week left of the regular season in the NHL, and it's finally been confirmed, what we've known for a while, and that the Leafs and the Lightning will meet in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Ryan Savine, Paul Ananitis, Zach Mullen, back with you. It's the Original Six Podcast. Boys, how's it going? I'm good. Yeah, I'm feeling all right. (laughs) (laughs) What? You don't know that, Tom? I, I do. I just don't know why. But you have to finish I, it. No. Come on, man. No. I'm fired up. Good. I'll take it because Paul didn't. Paul didn't say it. Fired up. I sang it. Uh, how, how did you guys do without me the past week while I was in uh, Vancouver? Good. Crying, shaking, throwing up. Not good. I did listen to the episode, by the way. Oh, you oh did? great! Yes, I did. <laughs> I heard my prediction was right. Um, Paul couldn't come up with like my little anecdotes yeah, I never, that I say I at the never, beginning. Yeah, I can never come up with that. I'm trying to think what else I remember from that. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. You should know. I should know. You should well, know. In that case, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. If you're new here, welcome. Make sure to follow, subscribe. If you are returning to the podcast, thank you very much for joining us. As always, uh, I feel rather disconnected from Leafs hockey. It feels like I've not watched a game in so long. Uh, And and you can watch all the highlights you want, but it just doesn't feel the same, obviously. Um, So I'm just going to ask the questions here, and it's all on you guys. I'll I'll chime in where I can, but uh, I'm taking a step back here. Sure, Um, yes, sir. Salute, Eddie's. Um, let's jump into weekend review. First game this past week was against the Ottawa Senators. Uh, started the week pretty well. 3-0 win. Um, Zahorna making his Maple Leafs debut. If you don't know where he came from, we acquired him on the trade deadline from the Calgary Flames in exchange for Dryden Hunt. So he exists, played his first game with the Leafs, and scored a goal. Uh, what did yes. you guys think of his game and the game against the Senators overall? Um, overall, obviously three, nothing win. There's not much uh, negative you can say. I think the boys played a great defensive all around game. I think we had a lot of chances. Samsonov made some great saves, um, regarding Zahorna. I think he, I think he did well. He really stood out. He had some great opportunities. As you said, he scored a great goal. He's a big boy, six, six, throwing the body around and he just has the best name in the world. So I would just keep him in the lineup. Yeah, good game. He was big. He was. It was. It was great. You could. I saw. Um, you know, he scored the goal, and that was great. My favorite moment though was watching Brady Kachuk like chase up to him and try and hit him and bounce off. That was <laughs> that was my that was my best moment for. Didn't that he game. also chip his front tooth during the game? Brady Kachuk or Zahorna? No, Zahorna. He did. Oh, I didn't I think know about so. That. I think they showed him. It's like similar to what happened to Matthews when he ate the crossbar. Uh, like oh. his front tooth was just like on an angle, like it chipped mm. diagonally. Maybe I'm pretty sure. I, I know I watched parts of this game, but I'm pretty sure that happened. Um, anyway, I have Ottawa. Thing. Oh yes, go ahead, Paul. I Zach, you you kind of like so um like came out of my ear for a second. I didn't hear you when you said this. Did you say that 
uh, he bounced off Zahorna or or when Brady or Brady Kachuk was fighting Shen in front of the net. No, when like Brady Kachuk, I saw it, it was like off, like the play was yeah. going the other way. And Zahorna had like reversed it to the point oh, or got something. It. And Kachuk like rushed up on him and then just like bounced right off. Well, another another favorite part of the game was when Luke Shen was absolutely uh, demolishing Brady Kachuk in front of the net. Kachuk could not get past him once. Great boxing out defense. Yes. Um, the Senators are a team, I was going to say the, the, that the Leafs historically struggle against, but I'll say in recent years have struggled against. Um, mm-hmm. But this was a pretty, th- this was a performance you expect from a team in the Leafs who are at the top of the league and mm-hmm. a team in the Senators who are sort of kind of not really in the playoff picture. Um, what did you guys make of the way the team played? And then obviously Samsonov getting the shutout. Good. It was good. Samsonov looked really good. And, you know, Ottawa had a lot of really good chances. And I think we talked about in the last episode of the podcast, just like we're going to be playing desperate teams, which is like Florida, Ottawa. These are guys that like they have to win to keep their season going past, you know, game 82. And uh, they had some really good chances. And Samsonov, like especially a couple of times, he like put his pad on top of the puck to save it, which is like super hard to do and rare. So he had a really good game. It was nice to see him, you know, have a stand-up performance, especially on the road where he hasn't been as good as at home. Yeah, I know we were talking about that when uh, we saw Samsonov take the Ottawa game and and uh, Murray take the Detroit game. We were talking about how statistically that both goalies are better home and away. But as you said, Zach, Samsonov looked really steady. He was controlling his rebounds. He made some great saves when we needed um, so it was nice to see. Yeah, you, you love to see that. But then you go to a game like Detroit, another yeah. team that the Leafs on paper probably should beat. But if you know the Leafs well, you know that could spell disaster. And it was a 5-2 loss against the Red Wing where, you know, the team really just did not look very good. But uh, potentially the worst part of it was what happened to Matt Murray. Kind of got slew-footed by Raymond and hit his head on the ice. Uh, left the game so not only did he leave with an apparent injury but Samsonov had to come in again Um, what do you guys make of that kind of situation I mean it just seems like you know Murray's hurt he comes back he plays well and hurt again it's just this vicious cycle that doesn't end I mean that that was so unlucky Uh, Raymond lost his edge went right into Murray who hit his head on the ice which when we saw that we knew something was wrong like there's not a lot of times where a player hits their head on the ice like that and is fine the next game. So, you know, just unlucky to see Murray get injured like that. And then Samsonov coming in the game, obviously looking tired from playing the day before, but he did hold, hold his own. It's just, you know, the, the rest of the team did not play very well in front of him. Yeah. Just not great. Not great. I don't know. Kind of disappointing. I think like this is, uh, you know, when you see them play that well against Ottawa, which is a team in the playoff hunt, you would assume they would play better against a team that's not even close to the playoff hunt. So, but again, typical Leafs fashion, you know, the team that they should easily beat, they don't. So, yeah, it was tough to see <laughs> that happen to Murray. I feel like this guy is just super unlucky. Like, what are the chances that happens to him, like right then? I don't know, hitting his head the way he did. That's he... tough. I couldn't believe there wasn't a goalie interference penalty there, by the way. I don't know how 
the ref was just like, oh, yeah, it was an accident. Like, it's still goalie interference. That is, does not how penalties work. But, yeah. yeah. Tough luck. Tough game. Yeah. Yeah. Brutal game against Detroit. Um, not what you like to see by any means. That's a, that's a pretty redundant statement. But let's go on to the last game this past week, which was a 4-2 victory against the Columbus Blue Jackets. This one was last night. We are recording today's episode on Wednesday, April 5th. Um, a, a 4-2 dub, Joseph Wall making the start. Obviously, Matt Murray not available. Uh, still kind of up in the air in that sense. But uh, Zach Aston Reese added again in this one. Another two-goal performance on a TSN-covered game. Uh, <laughs> if I'm Zach Aston Reese, I hope TSN picks up playoff coverage. I unfortunately for Zach Aston Reese, I don't think TSN picks up playoff coverage. I think it's Sportsnet. Yeah. So, so I don't think he's scoring in the playoffs. So he better he better use his body and hit out there. Yeah. What'd you guys, Zach? What did you think of this one? Uh, since your name is also Zach, but you know, other mm. than the Matthews empty net, two goals from Aston Reese and a goal from Kerfoot, not the usual suspects. Yeah, you know, it's kind of nice though. I like to see the secondary scoring going on. I think you know, Kerfoot and Aston Reese are two guys that have kind of been heating up a little bit more as of late, and they're two guys that we've needed to actually like pull a little bit more weight, in my opinion. So it was nice to see that they've been you know, doing well, contributing. Uh, again, another very, very beatable team. Like the AHL Marlies should have a tough time against this team, but that's pretty much it. So, um, yeah, it was good to see them pull the dub. Wall was solid. Um, I don't know. Yeah, good game. Better. Yeah, I mean, we had like 50 shots on net, and you got to give credit where credit's due. Columbus's goalie, I think his name was Jet Greaves, made his NHL debut making, I think, 49 or 50 saves. And I think he played fantastic. If it was any other team, he probably would have got the win if he had some better defense in front of him. But the the Leafs played well. They got their opportunities. They had a lot of shots. They they played disciplined, even bunting, actually, which is surprising. They played uh, – they had a good game. Joseph Wall played well. I think he could have had that second goal, that short side. But overall, it was a really good game. Could have been a way – higher score but uh good for columbus's goalie on a very good nhl debut yeah absolutely uh two one and oh on the week in uh these last uh, few games here now with the record of 46 21 and 10 uh obviously still second in the atlantic six points up on tampa uh you, you gotta figure they're in a pretty comfortable spot with that um, how I know, like before we get to the week ahead later, how important do you guys think these last four games are? Like, how much do you like if you're kind of Keith and Dubis, where do you what, what's the strategy here, right? Like, how do you risk, you know, is Tampa going to win all of their games? How many games of ours do we need to win? Which do we want to win? Should we rest, guys? Like, there seems to be a lot of factors in the air, and there's only four games left of the regular season. Uh, yeah, there's five games, right? Five. And one of them is a back-to-back. Five. Correct. So, I mean, we're playing three very, very good teams. Boston, Tampa, and New York, which are all playoff performance teams. And if we want to show that we can compete, then those three games are very important. I think, I think you shouldn't rest guys for those games if you don't need to. For the Montreal-Florida games, 
it's tough, right? Because we have Boston, Montreal, Florida, Tampa, and New York in that order. And two of the three really good teams are at the end of the season. So it depends where we need points, right? But I would play the big guys against the big teams and rest them against the not as big teams. Um, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, I'm on the same page too. I feel like, especially if assuming that Matt Murray is out the rest of the regular season, I think you have to go, you know, Samsonov against Boston, you know, Montreal, Florida goes to wall, Tampa Bay back to Samsonov. And then, you know, if you need the points against the Rangers, like if somehow Tampa has won all their games and like, we really need the two points to secure the spot. I I'm trying to do the math in my head. I think that's a dangerous game. I, yeah, I think we actually only need, we only need to win three more games to secure home ice. If we don't get three wins before the Rangers game and Tampa wins all their games, then I think everyone stays in against the Rangers and you have to essentially just fight for it. Yeah. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully it's a little bit easier at the end there because in the Ranger game, I'd like to see, you know, wall playing and then you have like rest a couple of the star guys to get ready for playoffs. Yeah. Um, but it may not, we may not have that luxury. And like, that's the tough reality of the fact that we're losing winnable games in the past few weeks is that now it's going to be more difficult at the, at the end of the stretch. Yeah. Um, do you guys think there's any conversation to be had? And I mean, this is probably behind closed doors. If it looks like Murray's out long-term, which given his history doesn't seem that uncommon, do you think there's any merit in giving the wall any of the games against Boston, Tampa, or New York? Just to just to see what he could maybe give you against an elite team. I mean, I'm not against it. If Keith thinks so, sure. And I, I think your point stands. Like to we've given a lot of the games to Wall against not as good teams. So maybe we have to play him against a team that if he performs well, we know he can perform against big teams. So I'm all for it. But if we need the points, play the goalie you think is going to get you those points. Yeah, Zach, if if we've clinched the second spot, right? If at some point that remains um, stagnant, like it cannot be changed, Tampa can't pass us, then do you give Wall one of those starts knowing that you can't lose your spot anyways? I'd say the only game I wouldn't like 100% give him is the Tampa Bay game. Like even if we have the spot secure, I wouldn't start him against Tampa Bay. I just think you need to go like full to the floor against this team and really put it. I don't, unless you want to just be like, oh, let's play bad on purpose. And then they get overconfident. And like, you, like if you want to play mind games like that, you can, but. I tell you they don't because they're not in a position to do that. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> can you imagine we could? Like if we were like twenty points up on them or something, we just no. Like but even even if even if we had Boston <laughs> level points, like the the team who gets bounced every year in the first round is not in a position to be playing mind games with anyone. <laughs> like, come unfortunately, on. Unfortunately, unfortunately, that's true. Let's but. uh let's be honest about that. Uh, Zach, you kind of had two predictions right this past week. You got the record two one and zero. Oh. You kind of almost sort of had a rec- uh your wizard prediction. You said Matthews wasn't going to score this week, but his only goal was an empty netter. Yeah, so I feel like Paul. Paul, I can see Paul the 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 giddiness in Paul's face. <laughs> he's like, like ready yeah, to I mean, shut you down. Because as soon as I say, "Well, like I'm kind of right," he's gonna be like, "No, shut up." No, it's I'm a right. goal. Yeah, see, there it is. 
<laughs> I would agree. A goal is a goal, but I mean, like, you know, maybe make a better prediction next time. Like he's going to score every game or something like that. I I wish that's how wizard predictions work. Yeah, <laughs> I it could be, it could be. Uh, let's let's chat about the fellas. Uh, you know, you've heard of Nick Foligno, but have you heard of his replacement? That guy's name is Ryan O'Reilly. Uh, it seems like he is on the mend. He was wearing uh, a regular jersey today at practice, and it, it seems all but certain that he's coming back for tomorrow's game against the Bruins. What do you guys expect from him in his return? Um, keep in mind, the injury to, was just to his hand, so it's nothing that would have... Mm-hmm. It's not like a leg injury that prevents you from really staying in shape. I know there's nothing quite like game shape where you're you're getting to play, but at least, you know, he could have been doing cardio and working out and been on the bike and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, do you expect there to be a lot of limitations in Tim in terms of his ice time? Where do you see him drawing into the lineup? Like general thoughts uh, heading into his return. And I'll start with Zach. Yeah, I think I think he's probably going to be limited. Uh, you play, especially like playing against Boston. I think the line rushes, he's been on the left wing with Tavares playing center. And I think it's, is it Marner on his right or is it Nylander? There you go. Thank you for the sign. Hand signals, Paul, to get me on the right track. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's going to play sheltered minutes. I'd be really surprised if he played the, you know, the same minutes that like Johnny's going to play in that game. Yeah. Um, you know, and he's, again, we've talked about that, him being that piece that you can move to the third line to make that a really good third line, but also keep him on the second to like bolster that one. So wouldn't surprise me to see him on the third line halfway through the game, a couple shifts in the game. Who knows? Keith will probably take it easy with them. Yeah. Um, like like you do. said, though, I think putting him in left wing, just give him a little less defensive responsibility, at least in his first game or two. Um, I think yeah. that's big. But all all things considered, if he's healthy, you have to imagine he plays every game down the stretch. Right, Paul? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, where I want to see him in the lineup is what we would be using in the playoffs. I think Keith has to start using the playoff lineups if we're going for a full roster, if we're playing everybody. I think Keith should play how he wants to play in the playoffs so everybody can get used to it. And I think I think he'll keep Ryan O'Reilly on the on the left wing in the playoffs, even though I'd probably have him centering the third line, but it's but like either or works. Um so I would like to see him I'll probably like to see him play with Tavares and Nylander. But that's, that's I mean, that kind of begs like a whole other question in that we haven't actually seen enough of this full team yeah. post-trade deadline to know what the playoff roster is, right? Like mm-hmm. how many how many games did O'Reilly play for the team before getting injured? 10, maybe? I think so. Right? Like we, we, we had this idea in this discussion. I mean – be it we were not the only ones, but that O'Reilly could be this amazing third line centerman to go Matthews, Tavares, O'Reilly down the middle in the playoffs. But we we haven't seen that yet. Yeah. Right. So as much as I agree with you that I want to see the playoff lineup because of this injury, I, I don't think Sheldon Keefe has the luxury of even knowing what that lineup is, let alone using it. I, I part of me still thinks he has to now weigh getting O'Reilly back into game shape. And, and into rhythm, but also using O'Reilly to figure out what that lineup is going to be. And he he only has five games to do that. So yeah. to me, that's the biggest, I don't know if it's question mark, but that's the biggest 
area of concern if I'm Sheldon Keefe down the stretch here. Yeah. Oh, would definitely. You, would you mix and match? Depending on the game? Yep. Like down the stretch, you mean? Yeah, like yeah. Change? Down the last five games, like depending. Um, I, I mean, look, you don't have the luxury of, of knowledge in this case, right? So yeah. I feel like in the first two games, so I'd say against Boston and Montreal, I would put him on the left wing. You know, you have to, because time is not on your side here, you have to trust that O'Reilly is an elite player and that he'll find his game. And, you know, he's going to have to get back into things quicker than they probably would have liked. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I I give him a left wing in two games. And then Mm -hmm. the final three games down the stretch, including the back-to-back, he's playing second line or third line center because before he got hurt, we saw him in the second line center with Tavares on the wing. So either that's likely going to be the case or he'll be down the middle on the third line. But I, I think when he's healthy, yeah. we also don't know how his hand injury is going to affect him on the faceoff, right? That's exactly. That was, was such thinking. a big piece of his, yep. of how good he is at center, right? So that that's mm-hmm. a whole other factor. Maybe maybe now he can't be a centerman or his faceoffs are just so significantly worse because of this injury, right? And this is information we don't know. We're not privy to this, right? So there's, there's so many questions, but if he's healthy and, and good to go, the final three games to me are games where you almost need to play not only him, but everyone else he might be playing with to know what you can get with him on different line combinations. Yeah. Yeah, I think the face-off thing is such, is such a key factor in this. I think that's probably the biggest reason he's playing on the second line wing right now against Boston would be to avoid you know putting pressure on it. He did talk about, and I'm going to quote, uh, what's his name here? David Alter from the Hockey News. Love David Alter, by the way. He's one of the great tweeting guys uh, during stuff. So uh, he was talking about how O'Reilly wasn't wearing any protective gloves when doing battle drills at practice on Wednesday. Had some buddy tape around his fingers. So I guess just like some hockey tape ripped in to kind of help it out. But uh, O'Reilly said that uh, it felt 100%. So whether he's like lying and being like, it's actually not a hundred percent. For sure. That. I'm and- sure he's full of shit. Cause there's no way they're going <laughs> to make a public statement to the other teams saying Ryan O'Reilly's suffering on the face off dot. Like they're not going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, slash me on the hand again. It's actually weak. Why not? Why don't you? That's, that's not what they want to say. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. Would you, I mean, I, I would say that's the biggest question mark down the stretch, but it's gotta be that in the goaltending situation now right yeah yeah has there been i've been living under a rock when it comes to leaf has there been any updates on murray since the game he's day-to-day that's all that's it but day-to-day at this point in time is could be an out rest of season they're just not going to say it so yeah i i mean the only the good news is samsonov has been good and and pre-murray injury would you guys agree that Samsonov was was looking to be the the playoff starter. Uh, yeah, yeah. Murray's been good. Yeah, he had some good moments mm-hmm. back from injury, but yeah, you know you you can't play an injured guy, right? That's pretty self explanatory. Yeah, I think like it. Samsonov was always going to be my game one starter. I think he's the right choice based on how the season has gone. But you are losing someone who has a lot of experience to back him up someone who's won two stanley cups maybe murray would have just like absolutely popped off and become like the insane mark andre Fleury type like vesna caliber goalie in the playoffs right like he won stanley cups by essentially 
you know, being the backstop for Pittsburgh for two years. So who knows, maybe he could have done that, but now you're looking at a backup in Joseph wall, who another wizard prediction, by the way, I have a feeling he's going to play at least some point in this series. I'd take that for what you will. I can just tell he's going to play. Who knows? Hopefully it's a, is that your uh, wizard prediction? That is my wizard prediction for the playoffs is wall is going to get playing time. I don't like that prediction. I hope I don't wrong. like that. I, that. I, I hope I'm wrong too. Cause I don't like that either. If you're right, I'm coming over and smashing your crystal ball on the floor. <laughs> I don't have one of those. So you can do that. Sure. I'll slew foot you as if you're the Murray to my Raymond. Can you wait until my hockey playoffs are done before you do that? Thanks. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's talk about, we, we briefly mentioned it before, but someone who's maybe trying to insert themselves as another question mark down the stretch and into the playoffs is uh, Radim Zahorna. How, how likely do you guys think it is that he makes an, an, uh, a roster not a roster, but like makes it makes a lineup in the playoffs, whether it's a game or two or however many. I mean, he he's been playing well the games he has played, but it's such a small like he's only played what two games. So I think Keep is gonna give it give the starting roster for the playoffs to players who played longer, deserved it more. Um, and if and if nothing's working then i think Keith will throw him in because he has looked good the last two games like no question about it he could definitely make a big impact in the playoffs with his size his strength um his ability to actually create chances on that third or fourth line but i think at the beginning Keith is going to use who deserves it and who's played more and if he needs to then i think he'll bring him in uh yeah i don't i don't think he's gonna play i i'd be pretty surprised if he played just because i don't know i just i don't think he's i don't think it's a viable option you haven't seen enough of him to to trust him in game one yeah like i don't know i don't know what i'm getting in him other than he's a big guy and he scored once like i need to see him play more maybe it's just because i didn't really notice him too too much after the ottawa game Uh, i think he, he played against detroit i don't know if he played against columbus but no, he didn't play. So, okay. so Zach, let me ask you, what would the scenario be for you in order to put him into a playoff game? Like what would have to happen for you to, for if you're Keith to force your hand in that case? Well, I have three, three possibilities, two of which are not great, but I'll tell you the good one though. Like the good no, no, one is the good one last, the good one last. Okay. You have an injury. Yeah. You have a, you have a suspension. AKA Kyle Clifford game one last year. <laughs> Or Kadri the two years before that. Tween, yeah. Maybe that's what's going wrong. Anyway, um, yeah, those are the two bad ones. And the third one is just like, you know, get someone else new into the lineup. Maybe he's like, oh, you know, I didn't see a lot from Ashton Reese in games one and two, you know, game three in Tampa. Maybe I'll throw Zahorner in. Like, let's see how it goes kind of thing. And then maybe he'll be surprised. In order to stay in the lineup, though, he has to make an impact. He can't just be floating around and, like, be – there i need to see a physical impact in a playoff game Hmm. and he and i think he has the potential to do that whether he does it though i have no context on to why if he right it's the i mean it's not the pierre engvall conundrum because zahorna hits but it's engvall had the capacity to do that he just didn't right never never Um, i like i like how you use just you know standing there and floating around because you know that reminds me of someone that's in the lineup 
a lot. <laughs> Who could that I know be? Where, I know exactly where you're going with this. So let me let me ask you guys this, pivoting off of Justin Hall, mm-hmm. um, which which a lot of offensive players do pivot off Justin Hall. Yeah, because he sucks. Uh, who let's say let's say we know the starting 12 forwards right i'm not going to go through naming them but we we have a gist of who it is if two questions this is a two-parter one not not because of injury but if someone's going to come out just to get a new look or to shake things up who are you taking out of the, the lineup and two who is your first player in the lineup that would not be in that starting 12 i guess your options are a guy like sahorna uh bobby mcmahon steves uh, we Abruzzi. saw a lot of Abruzzi, Pontus Holmberg in the air. Like, there's options that we've seen some Matthew size Dice. from. Yeah, that 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 possibility could still be explored, but let's keep Nyes out of the equation for now. So, so who's coming out of the lineup, if anyone, and who is your first option to go in on offense, Paul? Who comes out of the lineup? Damn, that's hard. Um, who do you take out and who do you put in if you had to make a switch? Oh my. Um probably take out well, it's tough because I would have said Zach Aston Reese a little while ago, but he's been playing so well. Um why am I why am I blanking out? Who's the fourth line? Camp? Austin Reese, Camp, Achari, Lafferty. Achari, Lafferty. I'd probably take out Zach Aston Reese and then put Holmberg. If I had to pick, but that would be my that would be my guess. Zach, what about you? Um, Asheris is up there for me too, but for me, it's uh, it's Kerfoot. I think he's got to really, he's been playing well recently, but he's got to keep it because if he played like he did for like 65% of the season, which was like <laughs> invisible, yeah, what am I getting? And I know he can do it. He did it in the Montreal series. He was great. He played fantastic, yeah. but he has to do it consistently in the playoffs. Otherwise yeah. he's getting pulled out. Well, don't forget he, he was, up there last year in terms of best performers in that first round with Nylander. So yeah, the capacity there, he is starting to play well at the right time. It's just, he had so much time of, of poor play. We know Kerfoot's yeah. a playoff performer though. Yeah, I mean, but I wouldn't knows. keep, he, he, like I, I couldn't see him in the lineup for four games with our fingers crossed being like maybe game five, he'll play well. Yeah. Like oh, I think yeah, he's I got like mean. games yeah, one yeah. and two. And then so you're saying there's that, a short leash a, for Kerfoot in the playoffs. I think there's a short leaf for like half this short leaf short leash Leash. for half of this team for the bottom half basically except for maybe like achari and lafferty yeah yeah i would agree they're not coming out yeah Um, i would say achari definitely not like if lafferty's absolute you know a bag out there like i don't care that you traded for him and he's here next year like you need your your players to play well Mm -hmm. zach did you say who you would bring in uh Holmberg was uh high on my list I think I think he's the guy that's kind of he's been sent down because of the way our roster is built and like we just don't have the flexibility but I really liked his play especially before like the O'Reilly trade and stuff I would not be surprised if he you know makes an appearance on the fourth line center position I really liked this play actually when he was playing with us and even Keith mentioned how good he's been playing and how well he is on the ice with his decision making and his and his uh puck movement and and his uh you know hockey smart so uh, as you said zach if if we had more flexibility if we needed if we didn't have the depth that we did i think holmberg would be pretty much playing on that fourth line for majority of the season yeah 
I, I think if I take anyone out, I, I like the Kerfoot pick just because it's kind of like a nice pick. But I, I feel like the answer would have to be Aston Reese because he has the potential to bring you something that is more common. Like the ceiling is much higher for Kerfoot than it is for Aston Reese. Um, and I probably wouldn't bring in Holmberg just because since the trade deadline acquisitions, we have players who play Holmberg style. The chances are if we're needing to mix something up, it's we're either needing more offense from the depth, which I don't really think Holmberg brings you, or you need more physicality from your depth, which I also don't think Holmberg brings you. I think Holmberg brings you good defense, but you know we brought in O'Reilly, we brought in Achari, we have Lafferty, we have guys to do that job. Um, so for there's me, there's no such thing as a too much defense though. No, but but if if the struggle is offensive, if that's mm -hmm. what you're you're yeah, lacking yeah, yeah. from your depth, I I would probably give it to McMahon. Yeah, probably that's over Zahorna. I think, but again, like the samples are so small. That's the issue. Yeah. Like it, I get with, with Holmberg, you know what you're going to get. He's, he was great, but he also did start to play poorly as his time with the Leafs continued. And that is part of what got him sent down. Like, I think at the peak of his play with the Leafs, if you had told Keith that you were going to have to send someone down, I don't think he would have necessarily been in the equation at that point. Yeah. I don't think they would have had an issue sending a guy like Aston Reese down. No, right? but he definitely has proven himself the last couple of weeks or so. Yeah, he's been he's been great for sure. So a lot to finally, discuss. I mean, a lot of decisions to be made for Keith for sure. Yeah, Zach Aston Reese actually finally hit double digits in goals, I think, for the first time in his career. Really? So, That's the first time in his career? I think in an interview with Mark Masters in the first intermission. Uh, he was talking about how he scored. He's like, yeah, it's nice. I uh, Hopefully I can hit double digits for the first time. He, and then he scored the second one and he got 10. You're right. This is also like the most amount of games in a season he's ever played. He's yeah, played yeah. 72 games this year. His recent highest was 57 with Pittsburgh in 2019. There you go. Let's Let's not forget, however, that not that long ago on this podcast, we were discussing the importance of players with a hyphenated last name. So... Aston yes. Reese still hits that quota for us. That's right. The True. Stanley Cups loves hyphens. Yes, that's correct. Um, oh, Big Bell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, or guys with like multiple parts to last names or two words, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, what have you guys made of the officiating lately? I mean, I, I know it's always a topic Oof. of conversation, but the bunting against uh, Detroit situation seems to be a little bit ridiculous i i feel like i saw part of it so why don't paul let like get paint us paint us a, a picture here give us a, a picasso of, of what happened to bunting yes oh buddy i just want to hear your explanation just like the way so, you say is gonna be funny so bunting is obviously bunting right we know he's a little greasy rat um they have i think they had a little bit of a tussle in the corner and he was skating backwards with a guy's stick in between his skates, not moving his skates at all. So just pushing the guy's stick backwards, trying to trying to pick it up. And of course, you know, Button is like, what am I doing? I'm not doing anything wrong. And he obviously has the stick in between his skates, skating backwards. So I think the ref gave him a 10-minute misconduct. And we all know the refing is ass. It always has been, always will. 
It sucks. Like the refs are terrible. They get worse every single week, maybe every single day. And I think Bunting has to realize that we know he is a little bit of a shit disturber. He has to calm it down a bit with the refs because they know he does this stuff. And I think they are out for, for him. Like if you saw last game against Columbus, some guy was like in a, in a scrap with him. And Bunting wasn't doing anything. He wasn't talking. But the ref pushes Bunting out of the way instead of the guy trying to punch Bunting. Because if Bunting, I think, realized that if he said anything or did anything, he'd probably be in the box because it's Bunting. And you're in Toronto. So there's already a target on your back and you're being a little bit of a clown, which I'm all for as long as you don't be stupid about it. Yeah, for sure. Zach, I'm going to pivot this to you. Is there a more of a lenience or less of a lenience for that kind of stuff in the playoffs when it comes to bunting? Because I, I could think of an argument to make for both sides. Yeah. There's definitely both sides of that argument. In the interest of choosing one, I think I'll say there's more lenience because I feel like when it comes to playoffs, there's, there's uh, you know, everyone's kind of given a little bit more free reign to kind of do mess around and do that like playoff hockey like we've heard the expression a lot so you know and i think maybe it would be a little bit of a clean slate for him going into the playoffs i don't think the refs are going to be like who's this guy michael bunting like it's not going to be like that but i feel like they're going to give him a little more leeway to do stuff like that because it's playoffs and they're not going to they don't really throw out like misconducts for like kicking a stick backwards or something like that in the playoffs unless it's like like really bad you know so i'd be pretty surprised if they were as hard on him uh in the playoffs as they have been during the regular season but like you don't know anymore because in like 10 years ago sure like playoff hockey was the definition of playoff hockey like you you win the game no matter what the refs let you decide that not as many penalties unless it's a very obvious one but the last couple of years there have been a lot of penalties called especially in the first round of playoffs if you look at the Leafs, Tampa. Well, last Paul, year, let's let's be biased here. The Leafs, game, the Leafs have only five. played. The Leafs have only played in the first round. I know. I'm saying, but <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, if you look at any series, there's been a lot of penalties given for both sides. There's some games where there's like some teams that have five penalties, the other team has four. Like, it's just the refs have called a lot more in the last couple of years in the playoffs. For everybody. Here's um, here's an interesting stat. I can't believe I found this, by the way. Uh, so it's what NHL team had the most penalty minutes in the last playoffs? It was Tampa Bay was called the most for 276 penalty minutes. Toronto, by the way, one, two, three, four, five, six. We were seventh. For a team that didn't make it out of the first round, 16 teams, we were seventh in the amount of penalty minutes that we had with 134 in Which seven is, games? Wow. We had 134 yeah. penalty minutes in seven games, Yeah, That's crazy. It's a lot. Yeah. For comparison, we won the cup last year. It was Colorado. 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 <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember. Uh, they had 175. Oh, my the Leafs, God. The Leafs were the highest in terms of teams that didn't make it out of the, out of the yeah, that's, that's no first surprise. round. That's Florida, no Florida and St. Louis both made the second round, and they were beneath us in penalty minutes. Yeah. To, to me with bunting, like, I mean, 
the the antics are the antics, but the like his his non antic play, like the offense and just his two way game, has taken a hit the last month or so. I mean, this is no surprise. Like this is a guy who every night in night out was on that first line with Matthews, and that hasn't really been the case. So I don't know if Keith is just trying to light a fire under his ass and and not give him the first line assignment until the playoffs start. But mm-hmm. you've got to think that Bunting's reputation will hurt him more so than it will benefit him in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. Like you, you have guys like that on the other side, right? Like you have like a Patrick Maroon and a Corey Perry, but it, it just seems like the refs know what to expect with Bunting and they're almost too quick to to raise the arm and call something on him where he's involved because he he gets involved but isn't necessarily doing the things to the extent that matches the the penalties that he's getting. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I think Bunting just has to be careful. Yeah, there's going to have to be lots of conversations with him beforehand. Like we, this is a team that can't afford to to give Tampa any more advantage than they already have. Yeah, agreed right? It's a very fine line between playing playoff hockey and playing stupidly. Yeah, for sure. Um, but hopefully that's that's something that comes with some of the leadership in the room, right? Those learning experiences, like you guy, you have a guy like Achari and O'Reilly. Um, you know, I, I was going to say McCabe, but he's never actually played in a playoff game. So that's a bad example. But, um, you know, that's another storyline. I mean, John Tavares has gone pretty far with the Islanders when he was playing. And you know, Matt Murray's a Stanley Cup, two-time Stanley Cup champion, and he, he was basically the reason that Pittsburgh won one of the time, one of them. So, yeah, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of and Giordano. I mean, who's more experienced than that guy, really, on our team? I think he's older than Keith. I think he is too. Uh, Keith is definitely a lot grayer, though. Stressed, stressed out with these uh, Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, let's, uh, I, I think we've covered most everything here, so it seems pretty natural to move on to the week ahead. Uh, the last stretch here, I think we're including all but the final game of the season in our week ahead. So maybe that last kind of game before the playoffs will kind of be like our final little, uh, playoff preview. Uh, but four games, as we mentioned Thursday, tomorrow, uh, when this episode will come out, that'll be against the Boston Bruins and Saturday against Montreal Monday in Florida and Tuesday in Tampa. So the back-to-back in the state of Florida, all games on the road to round out the season, which I think is actually a good thing for the Leafs. Yeah. Um, and Zach, you wrote here Tuesday at Tampa's a must-win game, a playoff preview. Do you do you think they have to play this game like it is a playoff game? I know that's pretty cliche to say, but do you think it, it's that simple? Yeah. I, I Yeah, I don't know. Like you're going against this team that you're going to be seeing a lot of over the next few weeks. So get used to them, get in their heads, play it like a playoff game. Don't play it like, you know, you're playing the Columbus blue jackets or whatever, where it doesn't really matter that much except for winning. I think there's like more on the line here in terms of, you know, setting the pace, setting the standard. We saw it last year and the, what was it the year before too, where we were so scrappy with Tampa in the regular season that we went in with Kyle Clifford and Wayne Simmons, Wayne Simmons in our starting lineup for game one because we that's the pace that had been set during the regular season. And I think this is that kind of game. Yeah, for sure. 
Well, Zach, uh, as the... I think it's a cliche answer to say you should play every game like a playoff game, but... Yeah. It's, it's, a, good, it's a good, you know, show them what you got kind of game. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll record next week coming fresh off that one, so we'll have that to break down. But, Zach, uh, as the reigning prediction correct guesser, that's my English skills for the day. <laughs> that's a good uh, one. You can take it away for keys to success for the week and uh predictions yay okay keys to success main area of focus for the week Mm, i'm gonna go first because i'm selfish uh mine is to stay healthy i think you know we talked we talked about you know how we have to win games play well that kind of stuff so i'm gonna go a little bit off the board and say stay healthy um you know i would hate to lose anybody in the next few games going into playoffs so we want to be at 125% power going into game one of the playoffs. Yep. Uh, Paul, go for it. I'm going to say beat Boston because I hate them. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Nice. Right, guy? Oh, yeah, do I need to put my prediction? I, I, no, I don't know. Yet. We haven't got oh, there Okay. Yet. Go, Ryan. Go, Ryan. Uh, I, I have fine-tuning, mostly in regard to how O'Reilly's return impacts the roster. You got to figure that out. That's priority number one. Mint. 100%. All right, what's your prediction also, Ryan? Uh, I'll go two, one, and one. Uh, I see two good teams, two bad teams. So if it's as simple as thinking the Leafs will beat the good ones and lose to the bad ones, plus a shootout loss or overtime win or whatever you want to call it, uh, I'll go two, one, and one. Paul? I'm going to go through 0-1. Um, I think the Leafs know how important the last stretch of the year is, and especially playing three really good teams. I think they should know that they have to be at their best, and I think they will be, so I'm going to say 3-0-1. We'll probably yeah. lose to Montreal in overtime because it's us. So I, Yeah, I said 3-1-0 with our loss coming to Montreal because, of course, it will. Yeah, the usual. The usual. In typical Leaf fashion, am I right? In typical Leaf fashion. And in typical Original Six fashion, that is the end of the podcast after the week ahead. So thank you, everyone, for joining us on this episode. We will see you next week as we wrap up the regular season and look ahead to the playoffs and the Leafs' first-round matchup against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Fellas, favorite three words to finish her off. Beat the Bruins. Ah, Paul took mine. Uh, <laughs> slap Tampa Bay. Yes, sir. Let's fine tune. Let's fine tune. I was going to maybe throw a fourth one there if you consider fine tuning uh, a, a compound word. Fine you know. tune up. Let's go with that. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Remember to take care of the planet. We'll see you next week on the original six. Bye. Oh my god, man. Don't hurt yourself. <laughs>